Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original language as a guide. Today we are in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. Now, if you don't remember why we use that Bible, or if you don't even own that Bible, remember you can go online for free to places such as Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub, and you can find that that there's an app that can go onto your phone for free, or you can just read it online for free. So nowadays, it makes it kind of nice. You don't even have to own the different versions sometimes to see what they say. Now, this is the last book of the what is known as the Torah in Hebrew. The Torah is often referred to as the law in English. And in the New Testament, so to speak, which Hebrew does not call the New Testament, it's the Brit Chadashah, the Renewed Covenant. But in the New Testament, or the Brit Chadashah, the Renewed Covenant, it is often referred to as the law of Moses, the law of Christ, sometimes it talks about it, and the law of God. And basically, <laughs> there's no separate set of laws. God didn't you know, write these five books and then say, now, the rest of you Gentiles, ignore them. Remember, we have proven. I have showed you at least 10 verses within this Torah from Genesis through Leviticus so far, where it says there is the same law, whether you are a blood Israelite or a Gentile who chooses to follow God. So please don't forget that. Remember, when you build a house, you build from the foundation up. So in the Brit Chadashah, the Renewed Covenant, the, quote, New Testament. All of those believers were trained and raised in the Torah. The only people Yeshua Jesus ever fought against were those who were following the Talmud, the Talmudic traditions, I should say, because I don't believe it had been codified yet. But they were following the rabbinical Talmudic traditions, which added to the Word of God. And we are specifically told, do not add to nor take away from the Word of God. And so beware if a pastor tells you that you can take away from it. Or beware if a rabbi tells you you can add to it. Neither direction must we go when we follow Yahweh Elohim. So this is the fifth book of instruction. The word Torah in Hebrew means teachings and instructions. It's like your manual. It's like the owner's manual of the car you've been given by the father. So he gives you this path, this mission, this purpose for which he's created you. And then he gives you an instruction manual for how to make it work when you are here on this earth. These are the rules that set you apart as his people. They make you, so to speak, holy. The word holy is the word set apart in Hebrew. It's kadosh. Kadosh. Kadosh means set apart and is translated as holy. It's different from common. It's not mundane. It's not the ordinary thing. So your instruction manual is right here as a believer and follower of Yahweh. And we see that it says forever. And when we get to the Brit Tadashah, the New Testament, I will show you, having started at the beginning of the foundation, building upon what those disciples and apostles knew and Paul knew, I will show you exactly what they were referring to. Because if you don't lay the foundation, if you don't know the quote Old Testament, what the Hebrew calls Tanakh, or these writings, you're not going to understand what they're talking about. I can't start any other book in chapter 35 and say, oh, I understand what this is talking about. (laughs) 
you will make presumptions which are inaccurate. And you will not understand exactly what the Father is speaking because you will be coming in in the middle. If you don't understand, this, this actually is said in the Bhattacharya, the New Testament. If you don't know the law in Moses, you will not understand the Messiah. And so when it says when you turn to the Messiah, so when you turn in truth, it says that veil is removed in reading the law of Moses. And so if they aren't teaching you the law of Moses, then you're in the wrong place. I promise you. Because you need to know the instruction manual of our Father for us to make it through this world. Yeshua Jesus never nailed it to the cross. He nailed the penalty, which was our eternal separation from him, to the cross. Okay, it was a little preemptive here, but it's just good to know the history and what is actually being said. And if you really want to have faith in Yahweh and you really want to follow the Bible, then let's follow it. We're not going to be pretend people, right? Let's be zealous like Phinehas. Let's be glory, let's just glory in the God and, and in his power like David. Let's, you know, do great victories like Joshua. Let's obey in obedience and have faith like Noah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, when we get to the book of Deuteronomy, if you are reading in Hebrew, it's the word devarim. Devarim. Devarim means the words of the words. And so basically, <laughs> it's pretty... I love how Hebrew is so simple but beautiful. It's the words of the words. <laughs> so it's like, these are the words of Yahweh. So this is a compilation. The book of Deuteronomy is a compilation of Moses' writings, of, of speakings, I'm sorry, where he was basically telling them, again, reiterating and reexamining their journeys through the wilderness. And we believe that Joshua was actually the scribe writing this. Um, that's what some people believe. But it honestly doesn't say, so we don't exactly know. But here is Moses reminding the children of Israel of their journeys and things that have happened to them over the past 40 years. Now, I understand, another side note, sometimes this can get long, but what happened to Jesus Yeshua? Right when it was his time to, I know some people use the word ministry, I just don't like that word. When it was, it was his time to rise up and begin going from town to town and spreading the gospel, the good news, that we can return to God, that the forgiveness has come for our sins. We can now, we have all sinned, but now the forgiveness atonement has been paid. So this term from our sin, that's the gospel. We have that ability to return to the Father, right? It's not that now you can sin and do whatever you want. <laughs> that's not the gospel. The gospel is that when you did sin, and for any sins you've committed, it, we can be forgiven. Okay, so... What did Yeshua do Where, after he got baptized? Miklad. After he got cleaned. Showing, okay, Father, you know, he obviously hadn't sinned, but he did it to fulfill all righteousness and just show us the path which we should go. What did he do? He went to the wilderness for 40 days. So here he's completely submitted his life to Yahweh, knows this is the last segment of it and the purpose for which he has come, and it's time for him to go and spread this truth, to really give up everything. There's no more carpentry work. There's no more of that right now. He's focusing on this is it. This is it, Lord. We are going from place to place, and we are telling the people to repent in that spirit of Elijah, which had already been prepared by John the Baptist. 
So then he's tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. So when you choose to embark on the path and submit your life fully to Yahweh, and you say, okay, Lord, let's do it, and you finally give in to him. I want to point out here, so that when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, when they had said, yes, you're going to be our God, Yahweh, they needed to go through 40 years of humbling, 40 years because of their sins. Yeshua, he didn't sin. He did it to show us. But he had to go through 40 days in that wilderness of hard times. It didn't look like the promised land immediately. Noah, remember the 40 days of rain? His faith in God didn't look beautiful. (laughs) He believed in God. God shut him in the ark. All of a sudden, he's in with these stinky animals and poop filling up who knows what. And it's like, ooh, (laughs) this isn't really paradise, is it? So as soon as you submit to Yahweh, typically there's a dark period where Yahweh is training you, sharpening you, refining you, strengthening you, encouraging you, and humbling you. So remember that. As soon as you turn to Yahweh and submit in these areas, it is not all rosy. It's not all peachy keen. It's not all beautiful. I mean, it is beautiful if you can see with spiritual eyes. It doesn't look like what we want. There's a song by Sarah Groves that talks about the cave of Adullam. And if you can find that song, I should, I would highly suggest you finding it. And it, it says, remind me of the vision um, honestly, I can't remember the words without singing it, but I'm not going to sing it right now. But I, remind me, remind me what anointing oil is for. And she goes on to say, it's David speaking from the perspective of David saying, this is not <laughs> what I thought it was going to look like. And that's what many people learn. That it doesn't always look like what we thought it was going to. Yeshua was tested for 40 days. These Israelites had to be humbled for 40 years, our ancestors. Noah was in an ark, a very stinky, probably dark, misty ark for 40 days and nights. Well, longer, but that's how long it rained. So just remember that, not to give up hope. That know that if things get very challenging, right after you make the submission, most likely it is Satan trying to tempt you, just like he did Yeshua. Or Satan trying to destroy you in the wilderness like he tried to destroy the children of Israel. You stay strong. You keep bowed at the feet of Yeshua. Grab onto his zitzit. Grab onto his zitzit. Um, I know some people say zitzits, but in Hebrew, zitzit. Grab onto his tassels. Don't let go. He will save you. Okay, let's begin reading. Devarim Echad. So Deuteronomy chapter 1. These are the words. Okay, pause. Why do you think they called it the words? (laughs) That's right. These are the words. Those are the first words written. So that's why they chose that title. Okay. These are the words which Moshe spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness in the plain opposite Suf between Paran, Tophel, Lavan, Hazarot, and um, Dizahan. Dizahav, I'm sorry. It is 11 days journey from Horeb, by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, 
that Moshe spoke to the children of Israel according to all that Yahweh had given him as commandments to them. Okay, remember back in Exodus, which is actually being celebrated starting next week, we came out in the very first month on the 15th day. As the, as the 15th day began, that night we came out of Israel. And we just read that a couple chapters ago in Numbers. Um, to remember Passover, the Passover seasons when Yahweh saved us from Egypt. Spiritually, it's a symbol of saving us from sin, the Egypt sin. Okay, so um, it's been 40 years and they're almost to that first month again. They're on the 11th month, so they've got two months to go till they would have the commemoration of exactly 40 years of coming out. Isn't that amazing? Because, well, this is the 40th year. So remember, the first year, you don't start counting at one. It's like that first year is actually zero until you get to the end. So this is in the 40th year. It was, it's the end, the 39th year had just finished the year prior or 11 months prior. So this is almost completed the 40 years. So just to give you a time frame. So verse three. Now it came to pass in the 40th year in the 11th month on the first day of the month that Moshe spoke to the children of Israel according to all that Yahweh had given him as commandments to them. After he had killed Sihon, king of Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtoreth in Edrai, on this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, pause, go back to verse 4. When you see the word Ashtoreth there, it's the same root word as Easter. It is a pagan fertility goddess. And of course, people often named cities and towns after false gods. We know that. But Ashereth, Asherah, Ashtarte, Easter, it's all the same root word. Verse 6. Yahweh our Elohim spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the sea coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Yishach, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And I spoke to you at that time, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. Yahweh Elohim has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude, May Yahweh Elohim of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. Now, the word there is chacham for, for wisdom, and chacham is like a wise man. You should re- listen to um, Nehemiah Gordon, is an amazing scholar of Hebrew who follows just the Torah, no Talmud. And whilst he is not a believer in Messiah, his, he has so much truth. And he just put out a little video on Facebook the other day talking about this wisdom and how Yeshua was portrayed very clearly as one of the wise men, if you look at the Hebrew version of Matthew. So just a little side note, go check that out. Verse 14. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, the Chacham, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your brethren, and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who was with you. 
So another pause. I'm sorry. Sometimes I have to point this out. There's a huge mistranslate, a uh, misunderstanding, misquotation of Christians. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. So if you share with a brother or sister and you kindly, well, maybe they're not a brother or sister, but you share with someone who is living in sin, for example, maybe living together with somebody outside of marriage, perhaps they're smoking cigarettes, perhaps they are doing any of the things which we as believers, when you're born again, you know these things are wrong. But there are people who who, who fight. And typically, <laughs> the first thing you hear is, we're not to judge because Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. But that's not what he's meaning there because right here it says judge with righteous judgment. He says, Paul says it's a, in, in Corinthians, is there no one here who can judge between right and wrong? Because remember a man had taken his son's wife or something, um, some spiritual immorality. It's not that we're not to judge. Ezekiel specifically says, Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 33, son of man, judge my people. We're told over and over and over to make righteous judgments, to judge. What Yeshua is saying in the quote New Testament, the the renewed covenant, is do not be judgmental in a way that you make or make your own judgments. Right? We aren't to judge. We are to use Yahweh's judgments. We are to use the righteous judgments right here in the Torah already given to us. And when a matter is not exactly expressly written to the letter, we need to understand Yahweh's heart and go to him in prayer, fasting, and go to these wise men who would bring those righteous judgments forward and tell us what Yahweh would have us to do. So never are we told not to judge what's right and wrong. We are told basically not to condemn in a way where we would feel like we are, oh my gosh, thank you, Father God, that I am not like that lowly sinner, right? That's judgmental in a way that's wicked and prideful. And Yahweh has a, he shows a parable about that in the British shop. But and we're also not to make our own judgments. I can't tell you what is right or wrong if it's not written in the Torah, right? But that's what Christianity does. Modern Christianity, they always have their own bylaws. That's what Judaism does. They add the Talmud, not the Torah. It's wicked. We are not to add our own judgments. We need to judge righteously how Yahweh... Yeah, so I am not to be the judge. I am to bring forth the judgments and speak only Yahweh's truth. I can't condemn. I can't say somebody's going to hell. I can't say I'm better than them. Oh, how dare... You know, because my sin stunk too, or stinks too, wherever it is. What we are to do is share with them Yahweh's judgments, not our own. Okay, anyway, because right here again, it says judge. show Don't show partiality though. You have to use Yahweh's judgments. Okay. So let's read verse 17. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. See that? We don't have to be the judge. The case that is too hard for you, bring to me and I will hear it. See, we use Yahweh's judgments. We are not to make our own judgments. And I commanded you at that time all things which you should do. Perfect. Another little point on this, when they have this woman who um, they say they caught an adultery, Yeshua says, okay, well, if you're blameless in this matter, if you're doing it according to Torah, then cast the first stone. He didn't say, don't stone her, let her go free. I don't, we don't judge like that. But these men were going through, if you went through the process of what had to be done to convict an adulteress of sin, they weren't following Torah. 
right? If they had done it accurately, Yeshua specifically said, well, go ahead and stone her if you're doing this the right way. If, you, you know, if you're without sin in this matter, not that if you were sin-free. He doesn't say that. That's not what they try to translate it that way, but that's not exactly what it's saying in Hebrew and Greek at all there. He's not saying, oh, if you're not a sinner, then go ahead and do this. No, he's saying if you're not sinning in this matter of which you're accusing her, if you are doing this according to Moses, if you're doing this according to what Yahweh has said, then, then fine, then stone her. But the accusers had left and they were accusing her in a way that was contrary to scripture, they hadn't, this wasn't somebody examining their heart and saying, oh, I've sinned also, I've done this wrong, I've done that wrong. That wasn't what the situation was. They knew they weren't following the prescribed matter. There weren't the two witnesses. They didn't have, um, you know what I mean? They had to, the other person wasn't there, the man wasn't there. There's all sorts of things that had to happen. They weren't doing it according to Torah. Their wicked hearts and their intentions even if she had been sinning, they heard about it, they were doing things, but they weren't doing it according to the way of Torah, with the Levites doing the judgment and going to the temple, going to the priest, the high priest, and the man wasn't there, all sorts of things. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. He never said not to judge. He didn't say not to stone her. He literally said, make sure you are pure in the matter before you do such things. So obviously they weren't pure in the matter when they left. Verse 18, and I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. So we departed from Horeb, sorry. I'm drying up a little, I had to get a drink <laughs> of my yummy mint tea. Verse 19, so we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as Yahweh our Elohim had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea and I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites which Yahweh our Elohim is giving us. Look, Yahweh Elohim has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as Yahweh Elohim of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Let me point out on your spiritual journey as Yahweh is bringing you to the spiritual promised land, overcoming sin, going into this land flowing with milk and honey, land of perfect substance and sweetness, sweet communion with your father, obedience to him, you are going to have to overcome the demons that were there. You are going to over you're going to have to overcome those who possessed it. If your heart was filled with jealousy, envy, rage, anger, bitterness, frustration, you are going to have to dispossess those demons. Dispossess that wickedness that has had and taken root in the pastures of your heart. And you are going to have to overcome it. But guess who is with you? Don't fear or be discouraged because Yahweh is here to help you. But you have, you have to physically go and possess it. It doesn't just happen. There's no, quote, magic switch or snap of the fingers where Yahweh just changes you. I mean, yes, he does to a degree on a small level. But the sins in your heart, if you're addicted to pornography or if you are, like I said, the cigarettes, the drinking, any of those types of things that, you're, that, that would be between you and Father, you are going to have to overcome with his courage. Okay, verse 22. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us 
and bring back word to us of the way which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me well, so I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe. And they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eshkol, valley of um, cluster of grapes, and spied it out. And they also took some of the fruits of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us, saying, It is a good land which Yahweh our Elohim is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of Yahweh our Elohim. And you complained in your tents and said, Because Yahweh hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged us. Our hearts saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. And I promise you right now that many of you are struggling with this and you may not know it. I do know many of you also are led by fully by the Holy Spirit and you have overcome one of the greatest obstacles that the Bible warns us about in Revelation and Galatians the sin of pharmacia, pharmaceuticals, doctors, medicine. Most people <laughs> grumble and complain just like these Israelites. But, but I'm sick, or but I hurt, or but I had an accident, I had an injury. And they don't go in and possess the land. They're afraid. They don't give up their medicine. They don't flush their nitrile down the toilet like my mother did when she learned how wicked medicine was in the sight of God. And the revelations specifically said it's one of the end time sins from which people will not repent. Read it again. Read it in revelations. It's there. So when Yahweh tells you to overcome things, how many of you just run right back to the doctor or the medicine or whatever the sin is that has a hold on your life? Because you're like, well, we can't, we can't. I have diabetes. I can't live without my medicine. How do you know? How do you know that? How do you know how, how small do you think God is? That's what he told me. In 2002, we were driving through a field and I forgot my asthma inhaler. And I panicked because I thought I was going to have an asthma attack. And I thought I couldn't breathe without the inhaler. I freaked out and said, oh my gosh, I forgot my inhaler. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Close the vents, close the vents. And I heard the voice of Yahweh in my ear as warm and loud as ever, say, how small do you think I am? And I remember sitting in that seat, kind of hunched. <laughs> I'm sure my husband was like, what is going on with her posture? And I was like, well, Father, I don't... And I was speaking this to him in my mind at the time. I was like, I don't think you're small. And that week, he began showing me in Scripture where the Bible says, do not use sorcery. The word there in the Greek is pharmakia, in the Hebrew is kasaf. In this one, he told me, no more medicine, no more doctors. And I was still wearing glasses at the time. And he said, you've trusted me with everything but your glasses, with your, but your eyes. Give me your eyes as well. And I gave them to him. Again, the wilderness hasn't always been fun. Because as soon as you obey, Satan's there to attack. Or, here's what I also want to point, uh, point out, that 40 days, 40 years, whatever that wilderness is, is meant to expose the wickedness in our hearts so he can clean us. It brings out the pimples, so to speak, on our skin that the teenage years bring out. Like, oh, we got all these little zits. Um, thank God I didn't have a lot. But you get what I'm saying. You, you get these zits and you're like, oh, but you know, how do you know? How do you? It was underneath the surface of the skin, right? The dirtiness was there. It had to come out to be seen so we knew it was there. 
same thing in this wilderness. And so as soon as I <laughs> put my faith in Yahweh, yeah, it wasn't always easy. But I promise you, with the physical, he, he, um, the physical and giving up all medicine, all drugs, all doctors, I have learned ninety. I have learned. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know a lesson I haven't learned yet, but I've learned, and grown closer to God through every single trial. Whereas if I had gone to a doctor and put a bandaid on it, it would have been like, oh, okay, Yahweh, thank you for healing me through this doctor who did the wrong things and gave me unclean medicines. But you know what? Thank you. Thank you that I'm the one time, maybe it worked this time and nine times it doesn't work. So, but it still proves it's of you and my heart. You know what I mean? The false lie people tell themselves. If medicine was of God, it would work all the time. It's not of God. And if you want to go and possess the land, you're going to have these struggles. You're going to have some fearful moments, but you have got to choose to put your faith in him and overcome the fear with the courage that he gives you. Call in the name of Yahweh and you will see the miracles. I promise you. Verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. Yahweh your Elohim who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how Yahweh your Elohim carried you as a man carries his son in all the way you went until you came to this place. So he's like, come on, don't be afraid. You can do this. And that's what I tell you. You can do this. You can overcome. It's not going to be easy, but maybe you have to change your diet. Maybe you're going to have sickness. Maybe it is your time to die. Maybe that will, that's what Yahweh has been saying. Let go. Let go and trust and submit. But either way, you have to put it into his hands so he can have his purpose in your life and fulfill it and be God and share his glory with no one. Verse 32, yet for all that, you did not believe Yahweh your Elohim, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And I'm going to stop again here. Do you think God couldn't heal you if it was supposed, if you were supposed to be healed? Do you think God wouldn't make you well if you were supposed to be well? And if you're not well, then why are you fighting what he's trying to teach you? Paul always had a, an infirmity, a thorn in his flesh to humble him. Would you even allow Yahweh to put that thorn in your flesh or would you run to the doctor to take it away? Would you allow Yahweh to be God in your life or do you want to control your life? If you have sinned, are you willing to let him punish you or it is better to, you know, enter heaven um, with one less arm or foot or whatever it was that made one less eye, whatever made you struggle, than to never enter it. If he has to physically teach you a lesson and a consequence for your actions, are you willing to submit? As Jeremiah says, submit to the punishment, submit to Babylon, and Yahweh will save you. And he's told me that so many times. Please submit to Yahweh so he can save you, even if that means in a captivity way. But he took care of those people who submitted to him and stayed in the land and submitted to the king of Babylon. Submit, don't fight. Submit, don't fight. Fight the enemy. Submit to Yahweh. And Yahweh heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath, saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give your fathers. Except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and his children I am giving the land on which he walked, because he, has, he fully 
<laughs> sorry, he wholly followed Yahweh. Yes, again, remember, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, he was a blood Gentile, became the leader of Judah, grafted in, no longer any difference. He was a blood Gentile. He was one of the two people who gets to go into the promised land. I love it. And he was the leader of the tribe of Judah. Yahweh was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. <laughs> I'm stumbling a lot over my words, guys, because I've been up two full, well, three nights this week with cows calving. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like switching words. My eyes are crossed. We're going to make it. <laughs> Yahweh's here. Verse 37. Yahweh was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. Joshua, Yehoshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Again, another prophecy of Judah and Ephraim. Joshua is a leader of Ephraim. Caleb was the leader of um, Judah. Remember, we read that at the end of Numbers. Joshua and Caleb, Judah and Ephraim. And I love it that Caleb was a Gentile who became a Jew, not as because the, the New Testament warns, not in Galatians, he didn't become a Jew as into Judaism. He just was. He got grafted in. Oh, I love it. It's so awesome. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. So if you don't have faith, God's going to take it from you and give it to your children because the descendants of Abraham will have this. And how many of us have had to turn against our parents who didn't follow Torah. And for me, it wasn't my mom, thank God, but it was my grandparents. <laughs> they, didn't, they did not possess by faith the promises of Yahweh. They rejected this law of Torah of Moses. And so Yahweh gave it to their grandchildren. So people, let's go in. <laughs> but as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Then you answered and said to me, we have sinned against Yahweh. We will go up and fight just as Yahweh our Elohim commanded us. And when every one of you had girded on his weapons of war, you were ready to go up into the mountain. And Yahweh said to me, Tell them do not go up nor fight, for I am not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen, but rebelled against the command of Yahweh, and presumptuously met up, went up into the mountain. And the Amorites who dwelt in that land came out against you and chased you as bees do, and drove you back from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before Yahweh, but Yahweh would not listen to your voice, nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kandesh many days according to the days that you spent there. So remember, sometimes there's a consequence for our actions. And they once they realized they had done wrong, then they wanted to go up into the land. And interesting here, he says, they drove you back like bees. They chased you like bees. Well, the word for bees is devora. What is the word of this chapter? Devarim. The words. If you have not ever made that connection in Hebrew, I hope this is an aha moment for you. The word for the word in Hebrew, Deborah, Devorah, Devarim, is the same as they use for the word for bees. And bumblebees have two basic ways of being looked at in, in, in creation. They are these beautiful nurturers who bring life to God's fruits. They are the pollinators. And they're especially beneficial to the plants of all creation and to the growth and well-being of these um, plants on earth. 
But if you don't, aren't careful, they turn and sting you. And I want to point out prophetically what Yahweh has shown me is with this, um, the bees, the vanishing of the bees. It's because the genetically modified, the spiritually altered, so to speak, wickedness that has been taught in the churches is disempowering these bees. They can't work anymore because people have believed the lies spoken so wickedly in these churches filled with Jezebels and Balaams and Cain and Korah that it kills the bees. There's no power for the fruit of God to grow. They just blasphemously say they will not follow or obey God's rules. And so there's no more pollination, no more growth. And now we see churches filled with women dressed like harlots, prostitutes, people divorced, making no no um, repentance for it. It's just how they felt. They were just, they had a bad day. They didn't get along with that person. There's no more pollination. There's no more growth. And with many places in America, the whole, in the whole world, in fact, this is happening because man has altered undeniably and evilly how we are treating God's creation, which is symbolic of how we treat his word, his people, it's, it's coming to nothing. Man's ways lead to nothing. In fact, if you've studied much about genetically modified foods, you understand a little bit about the Terminator gene, which is embedded into some of these species that they create. Man creates. And it causes and produces sterility and death in that plant. There is actually corn, which produces sterility in humans. But my point is, from the very beginning, we look at, we saw the story of Abraham and Hagar versus Abraham and Sarah. So Ishmael versus Isaac. Trying to do something in our flesh versus trying to do something by the Spirit. These honeybees represent here the Spirit and doing it God's way. Letting Yahweh do it the way he intended. And it brings forth beautiful fruits. Beautiful. The zucchini comes on strong. Your flowers bloom. The pollination happens. But when man interferes, all of a sudden, we create these monstrous seeds and foods which kill people, cause allergic reactions, and lead that plant to actually go extinct, where it cannot replicate itself anymore naturally. And so I just warn you again to come out of religion so you don't get stung by the bee, which no longer can be used for pollination. And in turn, also, I guess I should say this, remember how it says not to stifle the Holy Spirit? That's like killing the bees also. (laughs) The word of God is there working in your heart from the little anther to the stamen, making little things come to life, putting together one part to another part to bring life, to bring pollination, to bring it to grow in your heart. But when you fight the Holy Spirit, for example, if you're fighting on medicine, if you're fighting on Judaism, if you're fighting on Christianity, you end up killing that bee. 
And that is the callousness which, which God gives you over to the debased mind. He will give you over to believe the lie that comes from your heart. So be careful that you do not quench the spirit. Be careful to not justify it away with man's ways, man's thinking, man's glasses, man's eyes. Be careful so that the bees can bring life to your garden rather than chase you and sting you away from the promised land because you chose not to obey. Okay, that was a really long podcast, but that chapter had so much in it to offer. I pray you guys have a super blessed Sabbath. Enjoy. You have a bless all your little animals being born. Protect them. Protect all of ours and help us to come out fully of Babylon and, and enter the promised lands in every way, physically and spiritually. Have a blessed day, everyone.